Today I'm absolutely delighted for our fifth podcast to invite a special guest, Richie Kerwin. Richie, who is a nutritionist, but also a PhD researcher and author on a really, really important topic that is very close to my heart and is really important for my clients as well, is the importance of muscle um, and the importance of protein as an essential macronutrient in our diet. So there's no better man to come and talk to us all and to explain more in detail about the importance of muscle because a lot of times females aren't really aware of how important muscle is and the type of training we need to do in order to retain and grow lean muscle tissue. So you'll really enjoy this. Uh, lots of knowledge bombs, lots of nuggets here today and um, delighted to have Richie on board. So enjoy. So thank you so much Richie for being my special guest today on my podcast. And today Richie's going to talk about and we're going to have a discussion around I suppose some of the main challenges that I find with my own clients, that the struggles that they have around eating more protein, doing more resistance training, and the really important things, Richie, the really important things for health. Um, and I, before we start, I'll let Richie tell you all who he is. And um, take it away, Richie. Well, thanks very much for having me on, uh, Tara. Always a, a pleasure to have a, a chat with you. Um, so yeah, my name is Richie Kerwin. Um, I am a, a PhD researcher in Liverpool, John Moores University. And in case the accent uh, didn't give it away, I'm not from Liverpool originally, I'm from Waterford. And um, yeah, so I basically, my research focuses on uh, how we can use nutrition and exercise to improve muscle mass uh, in older people and specifically how we can use that improvement in muscle mass to to help people's what we call cardiometabolic health so their cardiovascular health and their health in terms of blood sugar control things like that as well so that's kind of me in a nutshell brilliant um so richie i suppose the first thing that we'll, we'll address is the importance of um i know with my clients especially when you're coaching clients one-to-one -one, they you know they get the hang of counting calories fairly quickly they get the knack of that but it's the inclusion of dietary protein in their diet, um, trying to diet them without compromising their lean body mass and their muscle tissue and having given them the understanding of how important this is, you know, for their health, um, for their, their long term muscle maintenance and the importance of muscle. Because a lot of women think muscle, they think, oh, my God, and, go, you know, if I go to the gym, if I start pumping weights, if I start eating protein, I'm going to turn into a human bulldog overnight. You know, and, and the, the fear of God is there. And no matter how many times, you know, I say to clients, um, my husband was coaching a lady the other night and she says, oh, no, don't be giving me that weight. I'm not here to bulk. I'm here to shrink. You know, so give us some give us some knowledge bombs here on, <laughs> on protein and, you know, why it won't it, it, it won't bulk us and why lifting, you know, a three or four K dumbbell isn't going to, you know, turn us into female Arnold Schwarzeneggers overnight. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, let, let's, uh, we, we, there's a few little things to, to unwrap there. So let's start off with why people should be, should be getting it. I think one of the, the, the main roles of, of protein when somebody is, let's say, for example, like I'm just going to assume that a lot of people are, are interested in losing weight or yeah. people who are listening to this. One of the, the, the main roles of protein when we're losing weight is to help us hold on to, to muscle. And, and again, like people would be like, why would I want to hold on to muscle? And from my position and like with my research, muscle is absolutely 
crucial to your long-term health, okay? Um, and just to give kind of a few ideas why, like people who have higher levels of muscle as they get older have a lower risk of developing cardiovascular disease. People with higher levels of muscle have a lower risk of developing diabetes. Um, they have a lower risk of getting brittle bones. They've got lower risk of um, falling and breaking a bone. They've got a lower risk of cognitive decline, all by maintaining this muscle mass. It's really, really important. Um, from another point of view, people know that muscle is, you know, you know, we'll often hear that muscle is more metabolically active than fat, which is true. It's, it's, not a, it's not a huge number, but I will say that if somebody is losing weight, if you're losing a lot of muscle, what we see is that people tend to, to yo-yo diet and they'll often yo-yo diet, they'll lose weight. A lot of that weight will be fat, but a lot will also be muscle as well if they're not doing something to actively preserve that muscle. And that means that when they regain weight, which often happens when some people yo-yo diet, is that they regain it as fat and their muscle, the amount of muscle they have in the body tends to get lower over time. And what we see then is like this very, very small and this very, very gradual decrease in somebody's metabolic rate, which means that they don't burn as many calories that, you know, and it's, it's just a little bit easier to gain weight as, as, as people go over time. So from, from a health perspective and from a metabolic perspective, um, maintaining muscle as much as you can is really, really good. And one of the ways we do that is, is by eating more protein. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but, um, just to kind of touch on what you mentioned there about people worrying about getting too bulky, I, I'll give you the, the, the best way I can think of it. I'll give you my example. I'll give you the general example as well. So my example is I've been, I'm, I've been lifting weight now for the best part of let's say seven or eight years, like lifting weights regularly, I'll say. And in the, those eight years, I can tell you one thing. I have never gotten to a point where I said, ah, Jesus, Richie, hold on now. You're getting too big. Um, <laughs> I've, I can honestly tell you now that like if most people looked at me and I'm, and I'm wearing a jumper or something like that, you know, they wouldn't even know I lift weights. Um, gain, like building too much muscle from eating protein and lifting weights alone is not going to happen. Um, and I, I know a lot of people will look at, you know, let's say uh, look at images on social media and they'll see yeah. somebody with massive muscles. And I can tell you one thing, protein and lifting weights is not the only thing most of those people are doing. Like, you know, not, yeah. and like not, not throwing shade on anything like that, but I'm just saying, yeah. um, if you're not getting some special assistance, you're probably not going to have to worry about turning into the Hulk. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and, I, and I think it is a sad portrayal on social media and they see a lot of very shredded females with weights, you know, and, and highly manipulated images. And they think, oh my God, well, she's lifting weights and she's eating protein. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to look. And, and the chances are like male, you, you know, your capacity to grow muscles is incredibly tough. So the capacity for a female, particularly an aging female over 40, who may have a decline in estrogen, testosterone, you know, the chances are slum to none. It is, it is not easy at all. Uh, so like being afraid of getting too big is just, it's, it's not a real worry. It's not something you have to be worried about at all. Um, and when you think about all of the potential benefits that you're going to, to get from holding onto more muscle or even building a little bit of muscle mm -hmm. uh, in the long term, it, it's, it's almost like a, uh, a, a ridiculous question to ask if you should be building muscle. I, I like, and okay, obviously I'm very, very biased because it's my field of research, but I think everybody can do well from at least maintaining or building a little bit of muscle throughout their life. 
Yeah, yeah. And and I think as well, you know, even the the effect that it has on your immune function, uh, you know, with everything that's happened over this past year, the effect that it's had on your immune function. I know even from my own clients, they report they feel so much better. They're they're they have less colds and flus when they're lifting weights and they're in the gym. Um, you know, so and I also you did a really good post I recently that I shared in my story with the the correlation between BMI and muscle. And you, you quoted a piece of research, which I thought was really, really interesting. You couldn't sort of decant that a wee bit, Richie, um, for medicine. So, yeah. So what, what um, so BMI, just for anybody who is not familiar, everybody will have heard of it. So BMI is body mass index. And basically it's your, um, your weight in kilos divided by your height in meters squared. Uh, so it's, it's your body weight in relation to your height. Um, now, Everybody will have heard of it and people will be like, oh, BMI is useless. And I will say on a personal level, BMI is probably not a really, really useful tool because it just tells us about weight. It doesn't tell us anything about muscle mass. It doesn't tell us anything about fat mass at all. Um, so it's not particularly useful uh, on, a, on, on a personal level. But from a public health level uh, scale, I think it's very, very important. Um, but there's another way of looking at our muscle mass and our fat mass, and that's using things called fat-free mass index and fat mass index. Okay, so and basically what they are, they're telling you how much fat, body fat you have in relation to your height and how much muscle you have in relation to your height. And it's really, really important that we say in relation to somebody's height, because you could have two individuals, one person who is like five foot, one person who's six foot. And if they've got the same amount of muscle on, on their body, like in like um, in uh, ultimate terms, they're, they're going to have very, very different relative amounts. You know, one is going to be very bulky, the other is going to be quite slim. So they basically looked at these. And what they found was that for muscle mass, uh, higher levels of this fat-free mass, so fat-free mass is, is one way that we have of measuring muscle. Uh, so higher levels of fat-free mass are associated with uh, lower rates of death, lower mortality rates over a, you know, a number of years. So basically, if you're more muscular, you are, have a, a lower chance of dying. Now, it's more muscular to a point. Okay. What, so with this curve, it eventually plateaued. And that basically means that above a certain level of muscle, you don't really need to gain any more. You're not going to get any more uh, mortality or health benefits from having mm -hmm. huge amounts. And that's really important because like a lot of people think when I talk about like you need to build muscle to stay healthy, like people think automatically Arnold Schwarzenegger or the Hulk or something yeah. like that. And that is not the case. You know, yeah. you just need to have... Uh, we, we don't... Like it's very, very hard to describe this, but it's the kind of muscle that you would have from partaking in exercise regularly. Okay. Some resistance exercise and some non-resistance exercise. So cardio as well can help with muscle preservation. But the other interesting thing about the research was that they had, um, they looked at fat mass index as well. So the amount of fat that people have, and what they found was that compared to lower levels of fat, uh, they, the higher somebody's level of fat in relation to their height goes, they, they're higher their risk of death. So basically higher levels of body fat are associated with a higher risk of death. But this has what we call a J-shaped curve. And it, it, it wasn't the kind of curve that plateaus after a certain level. It means that when somebody's body fat goes very, very low, then their risk of death increases as well. So we've got this little sweet spot of, um, of body fat. And that's important as well, because again, when they say, oh, you need to keep your body fat low, everybody assumes you need to look like a men's health cover model with a six pack or something like that. Yeah. And you don't need to be that lean at all. You just need to maintain relatively low levels of body fat 
but you don't need to be, you know, shredded as uh, as everybody likes to say these days. It's it's not essential. But um, yeah. So basically, maintain a good level of muscle. Uh, maintain a a not high level of body fat. Those are your kind of optimum uh, body composition parameters for for maintaining health. Mm-hmm. Is there a number given? Is there is there a parameters given as to what is optimal? Um, so they did, but they gave those numbers in terms of fat-free okay. mass index okay. or, or fat mass index. And th- those are absolute, like nobody in the general population is going to know those unless they get uh, this particular type of scan. Now, they, they did this these with clinical, um, they're called bioelectrical impedance analysis yeah. machines. So people will have seen them in regular gyms. You know, in regular gyms, they're not quite as accurate. These ones, the clinical ones are much better. Um, and they give you a much better idea of how much body fat and how much fat uh, muscle mass somebody has. But if you can get one of those, um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but they they do have those numbers in the paper. Yeah. 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 It's funny because I have so many clients and, you know, out of clients who you have two ladies who may be, say, five foot eight, you know, one could be 10 stone on the scales. One could be 11 stone on the scales. Your 11 stone client could be lifting weights for a long period of time. And when they're stripped down, you know, the, the 11 stone woman has a lot less her body fat percentage is much lower and even though she weighs heavier in the scales and because we're so conditioned especially you know if you're in your 40s and you're a serial dieter and you've been to the Weight Watchers and you've been to the Slimming Worlds and you are conditioned to measure your success not on how you look not on how much muscle you have but on that little number on a scale it's really really hard psychologically for women to shun that to let it go and to go by you know let's train let's forget the scales let's just train regularly let's just eat a little bit more protein let's just try and increase muscle try and drop a bit of fat forget the scales because often you know that heavier woman who trains regularly has a has a better profile of macronutrients in her diet you know essentially probably healthier and stronger than the lady who's maybe the cardio queen who weighs a stone lighter but her body composition is entirely different mm-hmm. does that make sense well, yeah absolutely so like when i'm working with people like obviously i i use body weight but i i really really try to stress with people that body weight is not the be all and end all yeah. because it's not and like i i use a few different measurements like i like i i will take different body measurements but like one of my favorites is is getting um like waist and hip measurements and yeah. uh, and, and then another thing that i like to measure as well is uh i love numbers so like i will have people tracking their workouts so yeah. they they can track how they've been progressing with the weights that they're lifting mm-hmm. and like if you can see that somebody is getting stronger so they're they're lifting more weight over time over let's say like let's say over a a few months Mm -hmm. and then if somebody is losing um let's say centimeters or inches or whatever you measure around their waist and around their their hips then you you know fairly well that one they're building muscle or at least they're improving their muscle quality and two they're losing a bit of body fat regardless of what the scale says yeah and and i think people need to understand that the scales only gives us one little bit of information and, you know, there's so many other bits of information that we can use that give us a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very much as an education process. But, you know, from I know from coaching one-to-one, clients one-to-one, it's it takes a long time for that penny to drop. It takes, it's really challenging for a lady who maybe has never exercised in her life, who is just about meeting her 10,000 steps a day to have that capacity 
to push yourself to go to a gym. And even though we do online work, it's just really challenging for them. Um, but the benefits are incredible. And, and not only is your body healthier, fitter, stronger, and can become leaner, but you feel amazing as well. You know, there's there's a, a I often say, you know, when when you get somebody who get, get them stronger physically, you know, it, it has for some reason can resonate with them in a psychological way as well. They just feel stronger, better quality sleep, better energy, better immune function. And overall, their body looks a whole lot better as well. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, that that's I, I'm, I'm, it's great to hear that come from the words <laughs> in the mouth of somebody else, right, <laughs> Um The other thing I wanted to talk about now was the um, the importance of protein alongside, you know, muscle, particularly when you're looking at, um, I suppose, a perimenopausal, menopausal female, I would deal with a lot of clients in that stage of their life and um, hormones are changing dramatically bodies are changing body shapes are changing fat distribution profiles are changing um, and the importance of that strength training alongside diet you know is paramount and it can really go a long way um, to help sort of overcome those that change in body and that change in shape um, can you give us a bit more info on that and some sort of science behind it all um richie so yeah so so protein i i think is it's one of those those nutrients that most okay i don't i don't even like saying most but let's say for a, a lot of people in uh in ireland or in the uk they uh, especially for a lot of um women around the age of menopause at the moment it's not something that, that they would have focused on much in their diet at all it's not something that they would ever have been told to focus on yeah. but it is absolutely vital for um so and like just just to give you a bit of an idea we we're, we're publishing a paper on this at the moment and it's like looking at the effects of of protein and strength training in older people and um and like you know e- e- older is a very general term okay i'm just like so for for our cut off it's like 50 years or up <laughs> okay uh, uh uh completely random um yeah. but so what we found is that like protein on its own doesn't really have any effect on muscle mass it's the strength training is essential but when you combine protein and strength training, you get this synergistic effect where you are getting the absolute most out of the, the resistance exercises that you're doing. You're building the most muscle that you can when you add that protein on top of it. And it's hugely important for helping to build that muscle, like we said. But besides that, besides building muscle and maintaining muscle, it's really, really important for people to help with satiety. And satiety can be an issue around the time of the menopause because there's uh, like I, I think we've had a, a chat about this before, but women around menopause, one of the the, the big issues are, are disruptions in sleep that can be caused by you know hot flashes at night, um, and that can lead to major disruptions in uh, food intake and the not only the amount of food that people want to eat, but the specific types of food people go for. Um, but protein can help, like so. Basically, sleeping less makes us want to eat more. Um, so protein can help with reducing our appetite because we know protein is a very, very satiating macronutrient compared to carbohydrates and fats. It just makes you feel fuller for longer. So getting more protein into your diet in in that sense is really, really important. So you've got two huge important factors there. One, it's it's uh, helping you to maintain your muscle mass and your strength, and two, it's helping you to not overeat on you know carbohydrates and fats. So I think for like and from my own experience like working with th- this particular group of people I I've seen that like their let's say their their baseline diets their initial diets are often 
very low in protein. And it's, it's, it's almost always my, my go-to when it comes to like, okay, this is what we need to start working on. But most people don't really know what to do when it comes to like, how do I increase my protein? Like they, they'll often think just in terms of calories and like calories is the most important thing. Calories matter. They absolutely do. And, and like when I work my own clients, I say, okay, look, we're just going to look at two things. We'll look at calories and we we'll look at protein. Carbohydrates and fats will take care of themselves and to be honest, like I'll be monitoring their diet anyway. So if anything needs to be adjusted, I'll do it myself. But I say, look, focus on your protein around your three main meals. And I usually say to people, let's aim for about 30 grams. Like, so if I'm giving some very general numbers, I'll say about 30 grams of protein per meal, maybe a little bit more if they're older. Um, and I'll say, make sure like that, that is what you're getting at each meal from, from a very, you know, from a decent protein source. And to help with that, I have people plan their meals ahead of time. Now, this isn't something that they have to do all the time, obviously, yeah. because, you know, that would drive people absolutely insane. But if people, you know, spend a couple of weeks where they plan their meals in advance, it makes a huge difference because they realize, okay, right, let's plan the meal in advance. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to plan in my protein and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to put in, let's say, uh, let's say we're having some chicken or something like that. Okay, how much chicken do I need to get eat to get 30 grams of protein? Okay, grand. I've got like about 100 and, 130 grams of chicken or something like that. Um, put your chicken in. And they said, okay, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to put on my vegetables in there. Um, I'm going to have some, you know, put in some of my whole grains or my carbohydrates or, um, you know, put in a fat source. Okay. Make sure top it up to the amount of calories that I wanted that meal. Okay. How is the whole day looking? Do that for the next meal and then for the next meal. Okay. So that gives me a bit of an idea of, of how much protein I have. And like, I really try to tell people, okay, when you're planning a meal, just think of protein first and then build everything else around it. Yeah. Like, what are you going to have for protein? Okay, I'm going to have some beef. Okay, what are you going to do with it? Let's turn it into a stir fry, get some stir fried vegetables in there, maybe a little bit of brown rice, you know, get some sauce, uh, some, you know, Chinese style sauce or something in there. Build it like that and it suddenly becomes a lot easier. But if somebody tries to work out their protein afterwards, you know, they, they've made themselves a sandwich, they put in like, you know, one slice of uh, sliced ham, and they've eaten it and then they look at their, you know, my fitness pal, if that's what they use, they look at the end and goes, oh, wow, five grams of protein. Fantastic. Uh, right. What do I do now? Uh, you want to try and avoid that. Yeah. yeah. But I will also say that in those cases, there is one thing that people can do. And it's to think of what can I do to top up protein at a low protein meal? And the one thing I say is if somebody can, high protein yogurts are absolute yeah. godsends. They are fantastic. They're low in calories. They're high in protein. They're very They're usually very tasty. Anyway, yeah. I haven't had one I, I, I disliked yet. And um, they're just easy to eat. Yeah. So like I, I'll say, if you're bringing sandwiches for lunch and your sandwich is relatively low in protein, bring a high protein yogurt with you for dessert afterwards. You know, yeah. that, and that sorts it out. Yeah. And, 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 and when we come to quality proteins, um, for anybody who's listening to this, who is, is plant-based vegan or vegetarian, who really struggles to get the protein in, um, what suggestions do you have? What, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on supplementing, um, Richie with a, a powder? So I, I, I think that especially for, let's say vegan or plant-based, um, uh, people, I think supplements can be really, really beneficial mm -hmm. for, for a couple of reasons. One, it's hard. It can be hard if you're trying to get all your protein from whole food sources. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to get it all from beans, you do need to eat a large volume of food. And that can often come with, you know, quite a, a lot of calories as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's hard for some people. Um, with plant-based proteins, you do need to eat a little bit more to get the same benefits on muscle mass. Uh, so I think 
protein supplements like protein powders can be absolutely fantastic. Like they can almost be essential um, uh, for some people to just make sure that they're getting enough protein at each, each meal. So if that means you you build up your your plant-based meal, you know, based around your you know your beans and legumes and whole grains, and then on the side you have a protein shake after. Yeah. That would be absolutely perfect yeah. as well. Like, and I, I think people are almost afraid of supplements, which they don't need to be at all. You know, they're there for a reason. They're they're there to supplement a diet that is, you know, low or inadequate in a in a certain nutrient. So I think they're they're very very beneficial if you know how to use them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, and then some people try and avoid, and uh, which I I suppose I disagree with this shortcut. You know, once they're within a calorie budget, they shortcut the protein. I would rather they eat the complete whole protein, you know, because it affects, you know, it helps with satiety, as you said, and just keeps the client fuller for longer without experiencing bouts of hunger um, rather than, than than drinking like a, a whey protein shake. You know, even if you had a 30 gram whey protein shake, you know, you'll be hungry a couple of hours later because it's so easily digested. You just don't get that same, as I would say, bang for buck in terms of satiety with the with the with the shakes as opposed to the real thing. Absolutely, I, I'm I'm very very much a like a, a food first approach yeah. uh, person when it comes to nutrition, and like by that I mean that I think you should be getting the majority of your nutrition directly from whole foods or as, at least as whole as as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, but there will potentially be limitations based on somebody's particular diet. Like, like in that vegan example that we just mentioned there, you know, they, 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 they sorry, excuse me, it may get to the point where they, they've done all they can to increase yeah. their protein and they're still having trouble with it. And if that's yeah. the case, adding a protein supplement is absolutely is fine in that example. Yeah. But uh, when, when, if it fits your macros became a big thing, yeah. you know, there were a lot of people who were just like living on protein shakes and pop tarts, which is not a healthy way to be living no. your diet. Um, no. It can be done, but is it optimal for health? Absolutely not. You know, so um, yeah, whole foods all the way as much as you can, I think is, is a great, great plan. Okay. And, and for, in terms of optimal, optimal requirements, it's really, really challenging, as you well know, from a practical sense, getting somebody who's maybe eating 30, 40 grams a day, to push them up to what's the recommended two grams per kilo body weight. It's almost impossible to get somebody to do that initially. Um, is there like a, and, and, and most times I really don't, Richie, I don't have most of my faculty clients, you know, particularly if they're not participating in, in, in physical activity that, you know, stimulating the muscle. Um, is there an optimum or sorry, a minimum requirement that you would say? I know that they hit there, there's talk of, is it um, not 0.8 grams per kilo body weight? It's been a deficiency rate. Where, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so so when it comes to how much do we people will hear that the 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight all the time, because mm-hmm. that is what's recommended by the, the World Health Organization. The British government recommends it as their, mm-hmm. their kind of their recommended minimum level of protein. And it is an amount of protein that's there to prevent protein malnutrition. It's to mm-hmm. make sure that you're not deficient. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not an optimal level. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to optimal levels, there has been research done by. There was a really great paper done by a group called Protage, which is mm-hmm. like protein as you're aging. And what they came up with was that numbers around 1.2 grams per kilogram mm-hmm. of body weight per day are probably better in terms of long-term health, and that's helping people to preserve adequate muscle mass as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally think that if you're getting 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day, from a health perspective, I think you're doing absolutely great. Um, even if you're losing weight, 
with that amount of protein, you're probably still going to be able to maintain your muscle mass as long as you're exercising to, to stimulate, you know, re- retention of muscle. Yeah. I think you'll, you'll be able to do it. And like, that's where I start with as a minimum for my, my own clients. I just say, look, just make sure that you don't drop below this regularly. I think yeah. this is a good level to have. And if some of them, you know, can increase it above that, fantastic. Um, I also don't like going for particularly overly high protein diets just mm-hmm. because I find it pushes out other foods, which yeah. may, might be either an enjoyable or, you know, just beneficial in terms of, of, yeah. of health as well. Like, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I would have other clients who are very sort of physique orientated and they think that if they drop, um, if they drop below a certain amount every day or if they miss out on one meal or if they miss two or three days or they go on holidays and they're not hitting the two grams per kilo body weight, that, they're, that their muscle is going to fall off or that they're, you know, they're going to lose all their gains and, you know, uh, their definition is going to disappear. But I do know that with females that's that's it's harder it's harder to lose muscle as opposed to males and especially with females having higher body fat percentages you know a few days or a week or the odd meal without that proteins you know we're, we're, our muscles aren't going to drop off yeah the, the, the way i say to people is if you're exercising somewhat regularly mm-hmm. um and as long as you're not in a ridiculously extended calorie deficit so like mm-hmm. you haven't been like you know dieting for a bodybuilding show like for the past six months or something like that your chances of losing muscle are quite slim okay that's what i say i say to people um if you have a day where you have like really really low calories like with you know virtually no protein Mm -hmm. you're not going to suddenly lose you know five kilos of muscle mass in a day it's not going to happen um so i I think it's very very easy to become kind of neurotic about these things yeah and it's important to remember that it's what happens over the long term, that matters to your body and not what happens over the course of a day or even a holiday. And here's the other thing is if somebody loses muscle mass, we are very, very good at regaining muscle mass that we've lost. Like once, like, so everybody was worried at the start of lockdown. I was like, oh my God, I can't go to the gym. God, I'm going to lose all my gains. And then, you know, you may have lost a little bit of definition maybe. And then people went back to the gym and like a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, Grant, it's back. That's what muscle does. It's a it's a very plastic tissue. So um, that's and that's one of the great things about it. It's like pe- people worry about it, but you can exercise, and that can have a major effect on on improving it in quite a short amount of time. Yeah, no, it's, it's I think this sort of this information distilled down into a simple, easy to understand um, ideas like that. Even the amount that you need per meal, and basing the meal around a protein, and just getting in and doing some sort of resistance training and some sort of cardio. Um, number one will make you a healthier person but if you already have muscle you know if you if you don't get into the gym for a week or two you know all, all's not lost and um it's that education process for women's really really important um so thank you so much for for imparting your knowledge and wisdom on us again Richie and um just for everybody who's listening tell us where they can find you tell us your Instagram handle um and how they can get in touch with you thanks very much for having me Tara it's like like I said always a pleasure um uh, so yeah you, you can find me on Instagram on be more nutrition so that's be underscore more underscore nutrition uh, my website is bemorenutrition.com uh, and that, those are probably the best two best places to find me um, like if ever, anybody ever wants to drop me a message on Instagram I'm uh, I'm not uh, as rapid as I used to be on getting back to people I've tried to push it to the side for the, the sake of my own mental health um, but uh, yeah I, I do always get back to every message that somebody sends me on Instagram so happy to chat with people there as well thank you so much Richie thank you thank, and good luck with your PhD
Thanks very much, Tara. Thank you.